0: Let's pray. We're going to get in the Word this morning. We're going to be in Psalms some. We're going to be a lot in 2 Corinthians. So let's get after it. But let's pray first. All right, God, we love you. We love you, love you. And that's why we're here. And um, we recognize that... uh, we're coming in with all kinds of emotions and all kinds of feelings and all kinds of things that have happened this week, but we recognize, God, that you are a God who is near and you're a God that meets with us. You're a God that ministers to us. You're a God that knows each one of us and knows what each one of us needs, and so we trust that you'll do that this morning, that you'll, you'll minister to us, God, where we're at, that you'll uh, penetrate to the depth of our heart, God, and that we would see you more fully and more clearly this morning. God, I do ask that you give me the words to share and the words to speak, and you'd leave me away from the stuff you don't want me to touch or the things you don't want me to, to talk about this morning. God, that you, your kingdom would be on display this morning, that your kingdom would go forth in this place this morning, that it would drive out darkness and any scheme of the enemy, that anything would, that would want to come against your work this morning, God, we, uh, we bind it and command it to go in Jesus' name. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me grab my water real quick. All right. This morning, I want to talk about the sovereignty of God. And I know when you hear that, you're like, oh boy. Um, It's kind of that, it's one of those terms, right, that feels very like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) well played yes biblical is right it kind of feels like this is these big theological words like what does that even what does that even mean and I want to talk this morning about what is the sovereignty of God and why does it matter for us and this idea of sovereignty it even has that word reign in the latter part of the word meaning authority power rulership kingship and when somebody's sovereign they possess supreme or ultimate power and that's what we're going to talk about today how God possesses supreme and ultimate power how he is sovereign but I also want to talk about why that matters when it talks about him being king in his kingdom where his rule is enacted where what he wants done is done that's another way of thinking of sovereign what he wants done is done takes place but before we get there I want you to think for a minute. What are some of the dreams that you have for your life? What are the hopes and ambitions that you have for your life? All right. Shout a few of those out. To make what? Make an impact. To be loved. Help. Help? (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Help. (laughs) 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 Mine's for my voice to finally deepen, but what was it? Health. Sobriety. Sobriety. Housing. What was it, perseverance? Oh, that's, yeah, right on. All right, some of those are, feel more attainable than others, right? Some of those feel like big things. And some of you even start to dream, like even if you don't, if, if um, okay, if resources, if time, if gifts, if that wasn't, if you weren't limited by those things, how does that impact your dreams? Do you have greater dreams because of that? Like, what would some of those dreams be? Own a home, right? Huge. Have a job, right? Stability. Patience. Patience. I think a lot of those things, where we limit ourselves because, well, I've got limitations, so we don't even allow ourselves to think beyond, beyond what is capable. I even think about, sometimes you see on the news, I know you see those, the news stories about people that uh, they're trying to go to Mars, right? Doesn't that feel outrageous? Yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff, right? Yeah, right on. I think sometimes we think, oh man, even to go to Mars or own a home or do these particular things, there are limitations. For some things, it may be the limitation of our, our skill, it may be the limitation of our education, it may be the limitation of finances, it may be the limitation of resources. There's all these things that have limitations to us achieving the dreams, the things that we have. So there are things that we want to do, there are hopes that we have for our lives, there are, there are uh, things that please us that we want to do, but we can't do because of limitations. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. But here's the thing. God is not the same. God does whatever he pleases. And that's what the psalmist says. Look at Psalm 135 verse 6. 135 verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Get that. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Not most of the things that he pleases, not a few of the things that he pleases, he does. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. There's no limitation to him accomplishing his will. There's no limitation to him accomplishing his ultimate end and ultimate desire. And it even says there's no realm, even, even in all the realms of heaven or earth or the sea or the greatest depths, in any arena, in any realm, whatever God wants to do, he's able to do. Nothing stops him because whatever God pleases, he does. So the question then is, all right, well, what pleases the Lord? What is the Lord after? What's the Lord's will? What's the Lord moving towards? What's he desire um, so that we know what he's moving towards so that things will not stand against them. Let's jump to 2 Corinthians. We're going to work through a number of verses here in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, starting verse 5. It says, for what we proclaim, that's, Paul's referring to Paul and Timothy and his co-workers. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, as King, as the sovereign one, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is, what God does when we come to faith in him is that before we know him, there's this veil that exists. There's a veil that's over our hearts. And that when we hear about Jesus, we hear the good news, we hear the gospel, it sometimes doesn't make sense. Or Jesus is just a nice teacher, or he's a a miracle worker, he's this like fictional person i mean all these things that we think about jesus but what ends up happening when there's a moment when salvation happens for us is that the light of the knowledge of the glory of god penetrates the darkness of our hearts some of you remember that moment some of you don't but that moment happens when all of a sudden you're like oh my word you start to see jesus for who he really is That the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. That Jesus reveals perfectly the Father. That you see Jesus, and he's not just this nice guy, but you see Jesus as the sovereign one, the Lord that reigns over all. You see Jesus as the one who has existed from before all time, the one who is over all, and in all, and through all. That one that you see as majesty and splendor. And then you realize, as that veil is lifted, as the light shines into the darkness of our heart, you realize, oh my goodness, look how short I fall to his glorious standards. And then you see his supreme and divine and glorious love that he came and he entered into our brokenness and died in our place so that we could be in relationship with him. When that revelation hits you, not just your mind, but it hits your heart is what it's saying, right? The light shines into the depth of our heart and we begin to see Jesus for who he truly is, his glory, his splendor, his awe and majesty. That's when we're transformed. You see, this is part of a bigger thing though. God does care about our salvation, don't get me wrong, praise God. But if you go back to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, this is a promise, this is something that reveals God's, what pleases God, what God's desire, what God's will is from the beginning and he's moving toward towards the end. Habakkuk 2 14 says this and uses very similar language as we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and it says, for the earth will be filled. It doesn't say the earth might be filled, the earth possibly will be filled. It will. This is a declaration, a promise, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the seas. See, it's that same image here, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, that people will see him for who he is, and the response will be awe and worship and praise to the glory of God. Now see, the, sometimes I think when we, we look back at the creation story, we, we have the ability to see what happens after that in a, in a bigger picture. But if you look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God creates man and woman, and this was his desire from the beginning, that the God's glory would fill the earth through them. He created them in, in his image and through how they lived and how they acted and how they interacted with him and each other, that the glory of the Lord would fill the earth through them. Genesis chapter 3, it blows it. And sometimes you're like, man, it's, it's crazy that, that that seems to blow it. But even in something as big as that, nothing was able to thwart God's promises and purposes. That God's desire that the, his, the knowledge of the glory, his glory would fill the earth. And though Adam and Eve blew it, that alone wasn't even enough to stop God from completing his purposes. So that's why he sends Jesus. And through Jesus, now that light shines into our heart, and now we can be born again as dark as our hearts are that God penetrates that depth of our heart to reveal Jesus and that we are transformed and through us now the light of the glory of God now fills the earth. And think about that. Like some of you were, some of you weren't just walking away from the Lord, some of you were running away from the Lord and giving him the middle finger on your way out, right? You don't have to raise your hand if that was you. But that was like, and, and, and sometimes I think, even your hard heart, even your actively being against him, even you giving him the middle finger figuratively and literally, that wasn't enough to thwart God's plan for you and giving you salvation because it pleased God to give you salvation and nothing was going to stop him from doing it. Even so, some of us were caught up more in religion. So we weren't like actively running the other way, giving the middle finger. We were just kind of like, um, I ain't coming back, right? <laughs> right? And, and it's, it's this thing of like, we were so caught up in just doing what pleased, uh, got, thought what pleased God by our, our own actions, our own behaviors, by trying harder, by, by trying to earn God's love and God's favor, that it, it's amazing that even my own self-righteousness wasn't enough to thwart God's plan to give me salvation, that he was able to open up my eyes, which were really blind, that the veil was lifted, that my right standing with God wasn't because I was a good kid or trying to be moral, that my heart was just as dark as someone else who was running away from the Lord, and that I needed the light of the gospel, the knowledge of the glory of God to fill my heart just the same. Right? And I think that's what it does for all of us, that when you even look back on the fact for those that follow God, that nothing was gonna thwart him getting a hold of your heart let's continue verse 7 but we have this treasure in jars of clay this treasure is from the verse before this treasure is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God it's now in our hearts so that's the treasure that's in us in our hearts but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us I mean, I think sometimes when, when you're experiencing hardship and difficulty and struggle and persecution and just things are, are tough, whether it be from your own decisions, whether it be from the decisions of others, whether it just be from just the garbage going around us, uh, I think sometimes in those moments you're like, God, where, where are you and what, what are you doing, Right and I'm not trying to solve the problem of evil and explain away the problem of evil, but I think when I start understanding the sovereignty of God and the work that God is up to and what God's ultimate goal is and how nothing is going to thwart him from getting there, it gives me hope in the middle of the struggle. And this is what he's saying here. He's like, listen, you have the treasure. It's the light that dwells within you You of the knowledge of the glory of God, and it's in uh, clay jars. Clay jars are fragile. That means we are fragile people from which the light dwells within. Which you feel like? Why do you call me fragile? That's a good thing. Because it says when we are cracked, when we are broken, then our outer being, ourselves, becomes less and he becomes greater. That when we are cracked and we are broken, it's then the light of the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God, shines within us more freely and shines out to those around us so they see the Lord and not see us. That's what I'm saying. There's times you're like, oh my gosh, I'm being pressed down. I'm being, oh, just being, it's a struggle. I'm being squished. I'm being persecuted. I'm being squeezed. And sometimes it's like, oh God, what are you doing here? And I don't always know what he's doing in the midst of it in the moment, but I tell you what, I don't care what kind of suffering you're going through, he's going to see it to the ultimate completion of his goal, which is to make you more like Christ so that his light may shine more freely from within you. Like, I think that's why we love that verse, um. I, I, I've, I share with you a lot, but it's, it's, I think it's an important one. It's that verse from Romans eight twenty eight, right? God works out all things. Hold on. God works out all things for those he loves and are called according to his purposes. And I think we're in a situation, and if you don't understand what your good is, you're going to be like, this sure don't feel good, Right? But the good that he is moving us towards is saying in the next verse, is that those he foreknew or knew ahead of time, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, the firstborn among the brethren. Meaning, the good that God has for us is that that light of the glory of God would fill us and flow from within us, and we would look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. And oftentimes, that comes through hardship and suffering because when we get squeezed, we realize what's really in us. I mean, that was my story this past year. I, I thought, I think Vicki Lynn said this a couple weeks ago, how, how the past 15 months really was about um, we started to realize as individuals and as a church, we thought ourselves more highly than we ought. That was me. I thought myself more highly than I as a dad, as a father, as a... That's the same thing. Um, <laughs> all right, it's like as a dad, as a husband, uh, (laughs) as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, as a neighbor. I don't think there's been an area of my life that's been untouched to say, oh, that, that doesn't line up with Christ. And it's not to shame me. It's not to bring condemnation. It's it's to say, like, there's more for you, right? And it's to go, hey, that, that's got to get changed. And so it's as you get squeezed, It then forms us more into the image of Christ. So it says here, "Death is at work; the death of Christ is at work in us, so that the life of Christ may be manifested in us." That's his goal. The life of Christ will be made forth within us. But it often comes when we're when we're squeezed that that's what comes out. And so, I'll tell you, I don't care what kind of suffering you go through. I mean, I do care what kind of suffering you go through. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Whatever you're suffering whatever your struggle, whatever your hardship is, I will tell you that nothing is going to stop the Lord's purpose from you being conformed into his image. Now, yes, it's true. You can slow it down. You can have, there's not the joy of impact, but ultimately, the goal is not going to be thwarted. The work that he began in you, he will see it to completion. It's a promise. So what are we moving towards? Next verse in 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He's saying this is what's ahead. This is God's ultimate purpose. When the fulfillment will take place, when the earth will, in fact, all the heavens and all the earth and the seas and the depths, all of it will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That will take place, and that's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And the fullness of his kingship will be put on display. Evil and wickedness and all its effects will be wiped away. And it says that we will be raised just as Christ is. What you think about it. When Jesus lived, to those around him, what a disappointment it would have been that Jesus died. Would have thought, man, I thought he was the guy. I thought he was the savior. I thought he was the Messiah. He's going to be the one. And you'd imagine that when you see him hanging on the cross, the thought that would have been, I guess God's plan was thwarted. But oh no. That three days later he rose from the dead and it was a declaration of the father saying, my plans will not be thwarted. Whatever pleases me, I will do. And it pleased me to defeat sin and death. It pleased me to crush the dominion of darkness. It pleased me to bring new life to all of creation. It pleased me to bring sons and daughters to myself. Nothing was going to get in the way of not even death. And that's the case for us. That when we die and the loved ones around us die and we experience hardship and persecution and suffering, we look forward to the day that Jesus returns and we will be raised up as well in new bodies that cannot ex- experience death or uh, pain or um, can't lift weights. I mean, all those things. That will experience health that someone mentioned Fully that we will, we will uh, experience a new body and that we will get to be with him for all of eternity. And I say this time and time again, but I think it bears repeating. The beauty of eternity is not simply that we get to experience eternity. The beauty of eternity is that we get to experience eternity as it says here in 2 Corinthians, in his presence. If you imagine an eternity that's just you living forever on a harp in a cloud and playing golf all day, that honestly sounds like hell. The be- well, golf is okay, but... Um, The point being the beauty, what makes it so beautiful is that we are with him. That's what he's moving us towards. And he goes on and says, this is why it matters is because it's an an aspect of encouragement and hope when we have this mindset that he is sovereign and nothing will stop him, uh, his purposes from prevailing. It says this in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light Sorry, I can't. (laughs) I with three kids, I can usually block out all sorts of stuff. But that was catchy. It was too catchy. (laughs) Let's back up. All right, verse 16. For we do not lose heart, though our outward self. our, the, our outer being, our, our, a lot of our emotion, our thought, things outside of our spirit are wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day where the spirit of God dwells, where the light dwells, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are trans- transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I think that's the point what he's making here is when we understand what God's eternal plan is, eternal purpose, that there will be a day with the knowledge, that the the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus will fill the earth. And that's what he's moving us towards. That even in the meantime, he's he's, he's working us to get there. He's he's, even, like... I know it's hard on a lot of days, you look around, you turn on the news, you look around you in, in your own relationships, and you see the effects of people's sinful choices. You see even the effects of your own sinful desires that, that kind of flare up every once in a while that make it hard to walk in sobriety, as someone's saying, or walk in holiness. It's, it's difficult. And some days it's really hard to, to think, man, is God going to get me there? Is he going to get me to the finish line? Or is he going to be like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just got to give up? Even when you look around, that Satan is raging in the world around us, it doesn't take much to see that. That we have an enemy who is active, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to crush you, he wants to take life from you. And some days it's easy to think, man, Do we stand a chance against him? Is he going to win? He seems like he's having victory. But no matter what is raging on around us, when we recognize, no, God is sovereign, and we don't always understand the how he does it, but we know the fact that he promises that he will see us to the end where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth, and that's a promise we can stand on. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians. This ministers to me a lot. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And it says, This is Paul encouraging, giving a blessing, a prayer for the church in Thessalonica, who's struggling with some very same things I think we do. It's now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And sanctify means to make holy, to make pure. So now may the God of peace Himself, meaning He does it Himself, sanctify you not partially, not mostly, but completely. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Right. This is so. Pause for a second even you hear that prayer, you're like, man, it, it almost gives us impression. I'm like, I hope that happens. I hope your entire being is, 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 is prepared for his return. I hope your whole being is prepared for when he comes back and that we, we will stand before him and, and be seen as holy and righteous by the blood of Christ. I'm like, he's like, I, I pray that that takes place. But this is the assurance in the very next verse. And he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. I think a lot of times uh, in the situations, we look to our own faithfulness. We look to our own skill. We look to our own gift. We look to our own ability. And even in this, of like, it's my own power to stay sober, my own power and ability to walk in holiness, my own ability and power to not watch this or look at this or do this or this type of thing. It's my own power to give me the endurance and steadfastness to stay strong in the midst of suffering, to stay strong in the midst of hardship and difficulty. But the beauty is, it's saying, the whole point of the gospel is recognizing we can't do it, so he does. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I mean, that's the whole deal with 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 1, 2 Corinthians 1, yes, 2 Corinthians 1, where where Paul's talking about how they suffered greatly, it was like they despaired of life itself, it was like there was... life was so hard The, the hardship was so difficult they were being so pressed down and squeezed and persecuted so great he says and he doesn't point to but we had the endurance because we have a hard head and we could stand firm he said no we despised even life itself it was too much for them to be even able to bear and it says it was a good thing they're saying so that they would not rely on their own strength but the one who raises the dead He's saying, listen, as you walk in this life and as you're struggling and as you're like, oh, God, this is craziness, I will tell you, it is he who calls you, he's faithful. It's not dependent on your faithfulness, it's dependent on his. And good news is, he's always faithful, right? Ours is like this, woo, woo, his is (laughs) steadfast. And because he's faithful, he will surely do it. The work that he's begun in you, the miracle of the veil being lifted, of that seed being implanted to you, the light, the light that is growing within you, of the glory, the knowledge of the, knowledge of the glory of God, as it matures till we see Jesus face to face, that work that he began in you, he surely will see it to completion, not because of your action, but because he's sovereign. Amen. Be encouraged this morning, Moran, that nothing will thwart the purposes of the Lord, and even if you're in a situation like, I don't see how this is possible, stand firm on the fact of what it says in the word. Whatever he pleases, he does. He will do what he says he's going to do. All right, let's pray and then let's worship some more. All right, God, we love you, we love you, we love you. And that's our declaration this morning that you are, you are sovereign. You, are, you, you hold the ultimate power. There's nothing that's going to get in your way. Not even not in darkness or Satan or, um, oh, that's that verse. Uh, put a pause in that prayer. The Lord brought a scripture to mind to pray, but I forget where it's at. Where's the one that says, uh, you thank you? Eight what? It's at the end, right? Oh yeah, this is good, okay. <laughs> this is even better than I was thinking. Okay, I'm going to read this as a part of our prayer. Okay, this is Romans 8, 31, if you want to read it later. Thank you for that help, whoever that was. All right, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Nope. Or distress? Nope. Or persecution, no; or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, no, 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 no. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the truth. Wow. Woo! So God, nothing to add to that, but we just say amen, 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 that your word is true and you are true. So we stand on that word as our prayer today, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.